Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. So I'm in a season of life that is really amazing. I have the two, my two little girls uh, who keep us on our toes at all times, and one is one and a half, one's three and a half, and this weekend, uh, Haley was gone for the weekend, and she's been gone other times for like one night or like one and a half nights. That doesn't make any sense. Anyways, it felt like a lot longer this weekend. Uh, it was two full nights that I had all alone, and I have a whole new appreciation for all that she does for our family. Uh, yeah, come on, come on. She's going to have to listen to the podcast later to, to get that compliment, but... Um, by the way, if you, if you have missed any of the previous sermons, we do have a podcast that goes up every single week. We had like a three-year hiatus, but it is back now. Um, so thank you. Keith over here does that for us. So very thankful, uh, very thankful that he does that. So if you've missed any of the previous sermons, feel free to hop on any of your podcast listening things and search for Saints Church Glory Hills. Um, if you go to St. Church Glastonbury one, I'm responsible for that one. So there's only one episode, and I've been doing it for like 10 weeks. So, you know, Keith, you need to take over for me, man. Um, anyways, life is, an, I'm, life is an amazing place right now. Life is bigger and fuller than it's ever been for me right now. And, and I'm sure many of you, life might be in a place where it finally feels like things are kind of getting going again. There was like a pause there for two, three years, and now we're going again. We're walking, we're moving, and you know, I don't know if anyone else's summer is like my summer, but it's like it started out like, oh yeah, I have no plans, and now it's like I have no days left. Like I have two nights, literally two nights for the rest of the month with my wife. And it's just kind of getting crazy. And, and crazy is good, but uh, sometimes when life is amazing, there's change. And with change always comes challenge. And so as I was thinking about life and change and the way that, you know, things are picking up and, and moving forward and whatever that looks like for you, I was thinking about how sometimes we think that man, life is going to be so good if it changes, and then it changes, and then we have these challenges. And then we say, if I had blank, then my life would be good. If I had blank, then everything would be fixed. If I had blank, then I would be able to move forward, and I'd have more time, and I'd, have, I'd be a better parent, and I'd be a better employee at work. Maybe that... Blank might be a new job or a new car or a new house, or maybe it might be if my kids were just a little bit older, I'd be able to have some time for myself. Or maybe it's if I just had a girlfriend, I'd be able to get out of my parents' basement. <laughs> or maybe it's, you know, we've all been watching the Oilers. Come on. Huge win last night. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, I, I really do not want to correlate at all this morning and last night, but it is crazy how much happier everyone in Edmonton is. <laughs> When the Oilers win, myself included, uh, if the Oilers are like looking like they're going to lose, Haley just goes to bed half an hour before I go to bed because she knows it's better for everyone. Uh, and then I don't have anything I regret the next day. So it's, it's good. Uh, but we're watching the Oilers and you see these 50-50s come up all the time, right? It's like, when did 50-50s become like $1 million, $2 million, $3 million? That's, that's absolutely insane. I remember back when it was like $60,000, i am like, oh man, a 50-50 would change my life. Now I'm like, I need a 50-50, like a million bucks. That's amazing. And I think if I had 
blank, if I had blank, then my life would be easier. Then I'd be able to worship God the way that I should worship God. Then I'd be able to get to church and have a good attitude. Then I would be able to spend, you know, if I had a bigger house, then I would have a place that I could do my devotions in the morning. And then I'd have a better relationship with God. And then the church would be better because my relationship with God would be better. And then my family would be happier if I just had a new house. None of these things are, you know, personal for me at all. But the reality is, is that I think we all live with what one of my professors at Bible college called the evermore syndrome. If there's going to be one thing that you remember from today, remember the evermore syndrome. The evermore syndrome is that we always need more. We live in a culture where we always need more. We always need the next better thing. We get the bigger house, and then we don't have enough money to pay for the bigger house, so then we need the bigger job. And then we don't have the bigger, and then the job takes too much responsibility, so now we need a job that has unlimited vacation. Then we have unlimited vacation, and the vacation's expensive, and... It goes on and on and on, and it's called the evermore syndrome. We always feel like we need more. The reality is is that the world, outside of these four walls, they live for themselves. They live for their own desires. They live for their own needs. They live for the next thing, the next want, the next blank. And the reality is this isn't a new problem. This isn't something that's like, You know, since COVID, we have this problem. Or since, like, 2020, we have this problem. This has been a problem since the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they had everything that they could have possibly needed. They had God. They had direct, face-to-face contact with God, their creator. They didn't need anything more. But a snake comes up and slithers next to them and says, Ah, are you sure you don't want more? There's a tree over there, and that's the one thing that you can't eat. And if you eat of its fruit, you'll become like God. You'll become more. You'll have blank. And so Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, and we know what the results of that were. And that didn't just end there. It continued on. It continued on. In Romans 1, 19 to 25, it says about the world that they know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. The whole world knows the truth about God. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. If you look outside, you see the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. As they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did violent, degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. You know, you can read a verse like that and you can say, oh, like, do people actually know, you know, does this guys actually proclaim God's goodness? I have a friend who, uh, years ago, probably 15 years ago, he was addicted to pretty much every kind of drug. Um, and, and he was, he didn't know Jesus. He had never had a relationship with Jesus. He had never been to church. And he told his testimony to me and he was, you know, he, he got high and he was walking down the road in Vancouver and 
he literally had this moment where he's walking down the road, and I mean, he is high, so that does explain some of this, but he's walking down the road, and he looks up at the sky, and he says, the heavens are proclaiming the glory of God. He didn't know anything about God. He didn't know anything about Jesus. He didn't know anything about that. And he said, the heavens are proclaiming the glory of God. It was written on the sky. It's written on the plants. It's written on our fingerprints. It's written on every single part of us. We know the truth, and yet sometimes we fool ourselves into forgetting the truth. Now, I unfortunately don't think that this is just an issue outside of these four walls. Because I look at myself, and I see the issue in myself as well. I know the truth, and sometimes I forget that truth. Sometimes I come to church, and I have the evermore syndrome. I think that, you know, yeah, God's great, but, you know, God will really move today if they sing, build my life. God will really move today if they sing, I thank God. God will really move today if Kristen is on drums. And I mean, thank you, Jesus, he will. We all have these things that we like to see. Oh, if that preacher's on, then, then he, God's going to speak to me. But, you know, if Pastor Seb's on this Sunday, I may as well just, like, play games the whole thing because I'm not going to hear anything from God. We approach our Christian walk, we, we approach prayer with God as if God is a genie, as if God is come here to serve us, to give us what we want, to fulfill our evermore syndrome, to give us the blank. And you know, I was thinking about this in myself, and I had a lot of time with the girls this weekend, and a three-and-a-half-year-old doesn't fully understand a lot of things in the world. And I'm not trying to explain things like algebra or like advanced math. I'm trying to explain things like don't unscrew your water bottle during your nap and dump it all over your bed because then your bed will be wet. A very simple concept. The problem is that it got into the head and into the ears, but it didn't get into the head, if you know what I mean. Now, Annie's amazing. She doesn't, she doesn't you know, she, she understood the whole, like, road thing. I think we kind of, you know, hammered the, the nail on the head with the, the, the road thing. Said, if you go on the road, you will get hit by a car and die. That one was easy. <laughs> the water bottle, not so easy. Because who doesn't want to play with water in the middle of their nap? And so I had, I had these moments throughout this weekend where I was, I was trying to say something over and over again, and it just wasn't clicking, and it wasn't, you try and explain it 10 different ways, and it just doesn't get there. And you're like, ah, oh, how do I explain this in a way that she could possibly understand? And then I was thinking about my walk with God and thinking how God probably looks at me. And he says, ah, oh, how come he doesn't understand? I've told him a hundred times. I told him a thousand times. I told him if he goes and he reads his Bible and he draws near to me, I'll draw near to him. I've told him all of these things. But he still doesn't get it. What's another way that I can explain it to him? And he's gracious and he's patient and he's incredible and he does explain it over and over again and we forget it over and over and over again. And, that's, and then he's right there and he's explaining it again. Ephesians 4, 17 to 18, and then 22 to 24 says, 
With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are living hopelessly confused. They're living for the evermore syndrome. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. It's just going to their ears. It's not going to their head. But for us, those who know Christ, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I believe that Sometimes we understand something, but we don't remember it later. Or sometimes we don't understand it, but the more we do it, the more we start to kind of get it. Part of the process of renewing our mind is setting our minds on Christ, is setting our minds on Christ where Christ is. Colossians 3 says that we set our minds on Christ who died and is risen with, with God, and we are raised with him. So when we come to church... And we walk through these doors, and we come in, and the world's telling us we need more, 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 and we're telling ourselves we need more, 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 and we think that blank will solve our problems. We come in, and the first thing we do every single Sunday is that we worship and we praise God. Now, obviously, we do that because that's my department, and it's the most important one. There you go. But the reality is, is that it's actually so much more than that. We come in and we worship and we praise God because we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. What we do when we're praising, what we do when we're worshiping, what we do when we come in and we thank God for what he's done is that we change our perspective. He changes our perspective. When we were once looking at the things that we needed, we're now looking at him and how he's fulfilled those things. When we once looked at the blank, we realized that he fulfills all of those things. He renews our mind. Every moment we spend drawing closer to God with thanksgiving, it brings us closer to the one who can actually bring change. You know how, like, they call athletes, I don't know, I'm obviously really into hockey right now uh, for obvious reasons, Um, but sometimes they call athletes or, like, you know... Connor McDavid, the Connor the answer McDavid, right? Like right now it's Leon the answer Drysidle, right? The reality is is that none of those guys are actually the answer, maybe to this year's playoffs. The real answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus the answer Christ. That's who we're here for. That's who can actually bring change to our lives. The only one, the only thing that can bring true change, true and lasting change to the Evermore syndrome is Jesus, the one who came from heaven to earth and saved us. So when we come in here and we we sing songs and we worship and we praise and we thank God, what we're doing is we're remembering what God has done in the past and we're remembering what he's promised for the future. Now I think sometimes we can get a little confused uh, and we can come in here and we can think, ah, you know, or like I remember I was at YWAM a number of years ago and uh, one of the things that they kind of taught us is that when we're approaching God to, to hear his voice, the first thing that we always do is we thank him. And I agree. I, think, I definitely think that we always need to go and we need to thank God as the first thing when we're approaching him. Uh, but what quickly happened is it kind of started feeling like 
Uh, thanking God was like, I could write a book like, thanking God is the key to unlocking the blessings in your life, right? Like, the point of thanking God is not so that God will answer my prayers. It's like, it's not like thanking God is rubbing the genie's thing and then God will come out, okay, God, I thank you, and then he comes out and gives us what we want. That's not how it works. Uh, the Baker, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says gratitude or thankfulness is not a tool used to manipulate the will of God. It is never coerced or fabricated in one's mind. Rather, gratitude is a joyful commitment of one's personality to God. One of my love languages, uh, my main love language, is words of affirmation. And so uh, Haley, we always joke because she's, she like, has done the love languages test multiple times. And every single time she gets a different top love language. So she's got like four out of the five, but the only one that she's never gotten even remotely close to the top was words of affirmation. So obviously um, that's been a little bit of a struggle. Now she's getting way better with it, but as someone whose love language is word of affirmation, if I go and I spend time making a meal and you know, she has had a really tough day with the girls, I come home and I had a tough day at work and I, I make a meal and I do everything I can. I go above and beyond to make sure the meal is exactly like she would like it. What ends up happening is I'm sitting there eating my meal, and I'm just waiting. I'm just like, okay, is she going to thank me? And, and like in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to set like a 30-second timer, see how long it's going to take her. And then now I've like been like, okay, I'm going to set five minutes because 30 seconds is way too soon. And we're eating, and we're eating, and we're eating, and she's just sitting there eating and not saying anything. And I'm just like, how are you not saying anything right now? This meal is insane. You know, I, I'm even like giving hints like, mmm, this is so good about my own meal. Like, oh man, this is the best. Whoever cooked this did a great job, right? Like, I can't tell you how many times that I've said that. And even after six years of marriage, it still doesn't work. She still doesn't grasp the concept. Now, she is getting better. But often I have to remind her and then she'll say something like, Oh, sorry, I said it in my head. <laughs> I'm like, man, I wish I could read minds. That would help us so much. But the reality is, is that sometimes I think we approach our walk with God that way. We, we walk around and we say, oh, I was thinking about it in my head, God. Oh, you know, our, our friends or our family will ask us about something and we won't give any credit to God. And then later we'll be thinking about it. Like, yeah, God, I was giving you credit in my head. Like, what more do you need, man? But the reality is that God is a personal God, and God loves to hear the praises of his children. He loves to hear thank you. He doesn't, he doesn't love to hear it because he's like an egotistical maniac. He loves to hear it because it's an offering to him. It's a beautiful aroma to him, the Bible says. And so as we lift those thanks, as we lift those, those praises to God... Not only does he love it, but it begins to change our perspective. It changes the way we see things. For me, when I'm cooking that meal for Haley, I want to hear, thank you, that's so good, and you cut up those peanuts really well, because I want her to notice that I cut the peanuts up really well. I want her to notice the things that I've done, and I believe that when we thank God for specific things, and we think about what God's done specifically in our lives, that our hearts begin to change, and we start seeing, oh, you know what? God actually did that thing. God actually made a move in my life. 
Maybe the, maybe the change that's come in your life, maybe the, the challenges that you're facing in your life right now, that growth that you're uh, facing in your life right now, maybe that was a prayer that you had prayed a long time ago that God's like, okay, it's time to answer that prayer. And now he's moving in your life and he's starting to direct you and move you in a new direction. And you're so busy worrying about the next challenge from the thing that you prayed about that you forget that God is in it and he's working and he's moving and he's walking alongside you. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. We love the part, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We don't really like to pray about everything. Let's be honest. We just like the don't worry about anything part. (laughs) Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances, in the bad, the good, and the ugly. For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Be thankful in all circumstances. Every one of us has a different circumstance that might cause us to feel like, what do I have to be thankful for? Every single one of us might have a family member or might personally be going through something that might take our eyes off of Jesus and onto the circumstance. And there are hard circumstances. There are things that are definitely very difficult for us to face in our lives. And I appreciate the prophetic word that came this morning because it's a reminder that although we don't worship God and we don't thank God to get something, that God is so gracious and so merciful that he chooses to give us gifts. He's a good father, so he chooses to give us good gifts. He chooses to bring healing. He chooses to bring restoration. He chooses to give us a hope and a future. We all have different circumstances, but I want to remind us today that we have something to be thankful for. Maybe you're wondering what that that thing to be thankful for is today. Well, I'm going to give us a few examples. Exhibit A, we breathe. We could end there. The fact that I don't have to think about breathing, and please don't think about breathing right now, you will start hyperventilating. The fact that we don't have to think about breathing, that we don't have to look for the air that we we breathe in, that we don't have to, that we live in a world that can sustain us and support us, is something that we can give thanks to God. The, The skies, the earth declares his majesty. We thank him for what he does on a general basis as the leaves are coming forward, as hopefully more grass is getting greener and maybe it will be black and then green. As those things are happening, we thank him that he is sustaining us and that he's sustaining the world. We thank him for what he's done for us personally. What has he done for you and your family personally? Maybe you feel like he hasn't done anything for 20 years. The fact that he did something 20 years ago is still worth thanking him for. He takes care of us mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we thank him for what he's going to do. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Another translation says, Through a glass darkly. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. We thank him that he knows us completely, that he knows the struggles we're going through, and he knows the solution to those struggles. We thank him that he doesn't just leave us here, that he partners with us and his grace carries us along. We thank him because he is good. 
We thank him for the perceived areas in our lives and we thank him for the unperceived, the, the things that we don't see. Thanks is the antidote to the evermore syndrome. As we want more, as we think we need more, we thank God and we realize, God, you are all that I need and you will take care of my daily needs as well because you are good. So how, how do we approach God with thanks? Well, if, uh, if anyone knows the hymn, The Old Hundredth, why don't you lift up your hand? I want to see if there's anyone who knows the hymn, Old Hundredth. I'm not going to make you sing it. Don't worry. No one knows the hymn. Okay, so we're a young church. That's great. I don't know it. I don't know it either. As I was uh, researching this sermon, I found out that there's a hymn that was written in the 1500s called The Old Hundredth. And we've probably all heard it because it was sung at the Queen's coronation and it was sung at the 10-year and all of the, all of the Queen stuff. I guess she liked the old hundredth. She would have raised her hand this morning. I guess she couldn't raise her hand. Okay. Um, that's dark. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, wow. Wow. Wasn't it the King's coronation like yesterday or something? Yeah, come on. Like, it's crazy how God works these things together. Um, now, I don't know if the old hundredth was sung at the king's coronation. Um, but but the, the old hundredth is actually a, a modern, modern, 1500s, version of Psalm 100. And the cool thing about Psalm 100, the cool thing about this hymn, is that it's been sung for generations after generation after generation. That... In the 1500s, when there was a new version of it, it had been sung for over 1,500 years by the Israelites. It was a psalm of thanks, a psalm of praise. And I think it really can teach us how to approach God. So Psalm 100, verse 1 to 2, it speaks about our approach to God. It says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Sometimes I lead worship... And I look out, and it's just like blank faces. Not here. Not here. Only at Glastonbury. <laughs> Remove that from the podcast. I'm just joking. <laughs> it happens everywhere, and it happens to myself when I'm, in, when I'm in the congregation. Because it's that thing where we come in, and we have that evermore syndrome, that we have that that, oh, God, I just need more. And we stop thinking about God, and we stop thinking about our approach to God, and we start thinking about ourselves. And so I look out, and I see those blank faces, and I just want to say, Church, Psalm 100, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Like that's what our approach to God should be. We shout, we worship, we come, we draw closer to him. Because all those things that we thought we needed are going to fall by the wayside when we start drawing near to God, when we shout and when we worship and we come closer to him. Psalm 95, 1-2 says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. I thought it was so cool that this morning the first two songs we started out with was Praise God and I Thank God. Praise God is, it comes from the doxology, but the doxology is sometimes one of the verses that's sung with the old hundredth. 
So they'll sing this, the old hundredth, and then they'll sing the doxology at the end. It's actually the same tune as the doxology. When we come and we worship God, our perspective begins changing, but our approach needs to be that we come with shouts of joy, we worship with gladness, and we come before him singing. The second thing that Psalm 100 teaches us in verse 3 is our position. So we come and, you know, maybe we're not feeling it. Maybe we have the Evermore syndrome. Maybe we feel like, ah, I don't know if I can leave these things at the door. And Psalm 103 says, hey, remember who you are. Remember what your position is here. Remember who you are in this service. This is what it says. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You see, when we think about our position, when we think about, oh, I'm not God. This life isn't about me. This life isn't about my desires and my wants and my needs. This life is about God. But he made us and he knows us and we are his. And he is ours. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This goes directly against what the world says. This goes directly against the Evermore syndrome. We are not our own. We do not create our own gods. He's created us, and we are his sheep. And so we follow him, and we listen to the shepherd guiding us and directing us. Romans 6, 8 says, And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Too often I take on my old, my old burial clothes, the, the ones that I said that I died and that I was raised with Christ. Too, too often I pick those up, and I, I carry them along, and I... You know, I want, I want, I want, I need. But the Bible says that we have died with Christ and we only find life with him and through him. Our life isn't our own anymore. It isn't by our own ability that we can even thank God. That we have God's grace is the only thing that actually allows us to praise him. That's, that boggled my mind when I, was, when I realized that last night. That it is only by God's grace that we have the ability to worship God because he is so good. It's because of his grace that we are able to praise him. So we come in with shouts of praise and, and singing. We approach him. We come close to him. And then we realize what our position is, that we are his, that it's not about us, that it's about him. And when we realize that, we have a response to that. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. It's like a reminder. It's like, like I was saying. Like, it's so easy to forget about the things that haven't sunk down into our head, right? We, we've heard these things. God says, yes, come to me with thanks. And this psalm is literally five verses long. And two of the five verses are talking about entering his courts with thanks. Like, we need to be reminded two verses later that we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Because it's so easy to forget that, that we, we, we think about ourselves and then we realize that we are God's and now we remember, oh, our response is that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We go into his courts with praise and we give thanks and praise his name. Psalm 50, verse 14a says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. I think sometimes the first verse, the enter his gates with joy and thanksgiving. I think sometimes we don't want to do that because we, we think about all of the things that are going wrong in our lives. But Psalm 50 says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. That means 
that even if sometimes it doesn't feel good, even if sometimes it doesn't feel like you should be thanking him, that we make it our sacrifice, that we lay ourselves down, we lay our needs down, we lay our desires down, and we allow God to be worshipped because he's worthy. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. We sacrifice of ourselves. We die to ourselves. We put our old grave clothes back in the grave when we praise God. And we say that he is good. And then the fifth verse is a reminder. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. The Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. One of the things that Annie does that's absolutely hilarious is sometimes, like, something will go wrong. Like, I know you'll, like, we'll spill milk on the floor or something. That whole saying of, like, don't cry over spilled milk has a whole new meaning, by the way. Um, And so we spill milk on the floor and we wipe it up and Annie comes in and she looks at it and she knows she's not supposed to spill milk. She looks at it and she says... Daddy, don't ever do that again. Ever. And I'm like, okay, I'll try not to. She really emphasizes the forever part. But I think the cool thing is that I will spill milk a lot more times. But when we approach God, our reminder is that his unfailing love continues forever. That forever should probably be said with that emphasis. His unfailing love continues forever. Forever. It never ends. It continues through generations, through time. It continues forever. Because he is good. One of the amazing things about praising and thanking God for who he is is that the Bible actually says that we join with the saints. We join with the saints and we join with the angels to declare his goodness. The Bible says, we were singing, I was singing it earlier, earlier, holy, holy, holy is the God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's the song of heaven. That's the song that the angels are singing. When we join together with that, we're singing with the saints from every generation, from every country, from every tongue, from every tribe, for all of time. We're joining together in that heavenly song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The earth is filled with his glory. A song that was started before time. And we have the opportunity to jump on that song. We have the opportunity to understand that we're joining with the martyrs. We're joining with people who gave their lives for Jesus. We're joining with people who are persecuted currently. We're joining with every tribe and tongue. I, was, I, I googled Old Hundredth last night because I had no idea what it sounded like. And the first video that came up was a a choir in India, a 200-voice choir. And I'm watching this, and I literally just started crying. Because their song is the same song that we're singing today. The song that they are singing, and it wasn't recorded like a long time ago, but that song, a different people with a different background, with a different culture, with a different understanding of the world, understand Jesus in the same way. They understand that he is holy, that he is worthy, that by his 
stripes we are healed, that by his grace we have an opportunity to come into right relationship with him. We join together with the saints and we declare holy, holy, holy. A number of weeks ago, I, I had to ship something to the States and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do it because there was like three different postal services I needed to send it with. Anyways, I went to this place and the packaging depot and I walk in there and I draw my packages off and like he didn't tell me how much it was going to cost. So I, was, I just gave it to him and he's like packaging up all my packages and he, he had to print off this stuff and put it on the front. And he's like, oh, you make, you got to make sure to do this. Otherwise it's going to get sent back. And so he did all this stuff for me. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm just standing there doing nothing. So I'm like, I wonder how much this is going to cost me. Like, this is going to be like 20 bucks. I'm like, this is worth it if it's 20 bucks. This is going to be 40 bucks. That's ah, probably worth it for 40 bucks. Honestly, this guy's doing an amazing job. I was just thinking like, at what point is it not worth it? And then he's like, okay, your total comes to $4. And I was like, $4? How are you getting paid, sir? Because that just took you 10 minutes and $4 is not gonna cover your labor. And I had that moment and that, that experience with that guy and I literally was so stoked about it that I like, Everywhere I went that day, I just kept on telling everyone, like, you got to go to the packaging depot because the guy there is unreal and it only costs $4. Like, you might not need to ship anything to the States, but go to the packaging depot just to experience this guy. He will give you a deal, $4, and he'll ship whatever you want to the States. It's amazing. I was just absolutely on cloud nine about this amazing customer service experience. But I realized that I don't know if I react the same way to what God's done in my life. I don't know if I react the same way to, you know, God coming down to earth as, as a man, coming in the flesh, living a perfect sinless life, dying on a cross, making a way, atoning for my sins, giving me a free gift, adopting me as his child. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. It sounds like the best deal possible. But sometimes I don't think about that being the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And I don't share it the same way that I shared this experience at the packaging depot. Verse 5 says, His unfailing love continues forever and His faithfulness continues to each generation. I want to encourage you, church. Tell your kids, tell your grandkids, Tell your parents, tell your cousins, tell whoever will listen about what God has done in your life, about what God's doing in your life. Parents, if you have kids and you bring them to church every single Sunday and they don't know what Jesus did for you, they just think Sunday is a great place to go because the kids' church downstairs is unreal, and it is. But they don't know what Jesus means to you. Tell your kids. Because it says that his faithfulness continues to each generation. That means that when you're long gone, the next generation will have picked that up. And maybe that story, maybe that thing that God did in your life can transform your kid's life, can transform your grandkid's life, can transform your great-grandkid's life. Who knows what the ripple will be if we share what Jesus has done for us. So our reminder is that the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And our job is that we tell it to the generations so today why don't we stand today I want to encourage each and every one of you
no matter what the circumstance or the situation is of your life right now, I want to encourage you to find something to thank God for. Even if it's the smallest thing, even if it takes everything within you to thank God. Thank God for something today and thank God for something every single day. Before bringing before God complaint and frustration, spend time thinking about the areas that he's already working in your life. We don't thank him, like I said, we don't thank him as a key to unlock our blessings. We thank him because he's worthy to be thanked. And just as a side blessing, when we thank him, he begins to change our perspective. He begins to remove the evermore syndrome and refocus our attention where it needs to be on him. And I want to encourage you to tell your kids about what God has done and is doing in your life. If you don't know what that looks like, maybe start with, start with your salvation story or something in your life that was unchanged and then when God came, he changed it. The Bible says that we overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Let's declare what God has done in our lives. And lastly today, I want to encourage you, when we come into worship, let's remember what God's done. It doesn't matter if we hate the song. I pick all the songs that come up on a Sunday morning. I don't even like all of them. So I don't expect all of you will like all of the songs. It doesn't matter. The point isn't that we like the songs. The point is that we have the opportunity to praise God. We have the opportunity to give him all the honor and the glory. We thank God for what he's done. So I wanted to end today with the doxology, a song that's been sung for thousands of years. We join with the angels. We join with the saints around the world, and we sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's sing together this morning. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.